You're listening to the Real Estate Runway Podcast, powered by Quattro Capital, where we are all about alternative business and investment strategies to help you amplify life and maximize wealth. Here's your host, the recovering engineer turned multifamily investor, Chad Sutton. All right, Real Estate Runway family, today I've got a pretty exciting episode for you. So my friend Brent Bowers is going to come on the show. This guy is a retired military badass that we're going to have come on here and we're going to, he's going to talk about how he is going against the herd and investing in land. And now he's going to talk about how he's wholesaling land to generate cash, but also using seller finance and wrap techniques, which I didn't know existed uh, on the wrap side to actually provide cash flow off these deals that he finds at a low basis. So without further ado, let's get right into that episode. And if you get any value out of here, folks, pay it forward. All I ask is a five-star review, thoughtful comment, or a like and subscribe on YouTube. That's the only way we pass this show on and get to more people just like you. So pay it forward. Don't be selfish. Share the wealth, okay? If you want to follow us on social media, check us out on TikTok and YouTube at Real Estate Runway Podcast. And if you'd like to check us out on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, at Team Quattro Capital, one word, no special characters. That is the sponsoring organization for our website. So check us out. We love to converse with you anywhere you'd like to be interacted with. Or if you'd like to be on the show, please apply at thequattroway.com slash podcast or just email us at podcast at thequattroway.com. Without further ado, let's get right into the episode. I'm excited to talk to Mr. Brent Bowers. Here we go. All right, all right, all right. Real Estate Runway family, welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Runway podcast. This is your captain speaking. Today, we're going to be taking off with Mr. Brent Bowers. We're going to be talking about land and wholesaling of said land. Brent, how are you today? Welcome to the show, my man. Man, I'm good. I feel like I'm on a really nice flight right now. I just got back from North Carolina and I heard those exact words, but it wasn't for an amazing podcast. The Real Estate Runway sponsored by Quattro Capital. I really like the name of that brother it's funny by so we've got a great marketing team and they got their hands on the podcast and like you know what i know you've been doing this for ne- nearly two years but let's shake it up a little bit it's a real estate runway act like you're a captain on a plane so i'm still getting used to it <laughs> i appreciate I you it. noticing all right man let's get into it before we get into the episode or the meat of what we're going to talk about today tell me who you are tell me about your background you mentioned cockroaches and contractors i can't wait to hear where that came from yeah who are you brother Oh man. So I started in real estate and when I was 21 years old in 2007, I've made a tremendous amount of stupid mistakes. I, my ego has gotten me in trouble. And it's you don't have one of those, do you? Yeah. I think a <laughs> lot of people that start in real estate have their ego and then it gets out of control. And it's funny, I started with rentals and a lot of people were like, how did you end up with vacant raw land? Because I had to get like my pain out with multifamily and flipping houses and wholesaling houses and renting houses and Airbnbs and house hacking before it was called house hacking. And then I ended up in a little space, a niche within a niche of real estate, like that no one else is doing like land because no one's talking about no herd mentality. So I think I went down as basic as I can now. Um, So when I talk to you multifamily studs, like I feel like I'm just like a, a little tiny guy getting the passive income, but that's me. Like I made a bunch of mistakes. I failed big time in 2007, 2009. I quit. I was like, the military is going to be way easier than real estate. But then I took a little break for a few years and really hit it hard again in 2015 when I was tired of deploying multiple combat deployments. And I wanted to be home with my babies, my kids. Yeah, man. One failed marriage. 
I didn't want history repeating itself. So I figured out how to be a passive income land investor. That's fantastic. I got to start, man. Thank you for your service. Multiple combat deployments. Hats off, dude. That is, that's incredible. We love our veterans and we have a couple of them on the team. So it's, thank you so much yeah. for what you've done in the past there. And welcome home, by the way, getting to be home with your babies and your beautiful wife. So why land? Tell me about some of the mistakes. Actually, let's go back a little bit. Let's, let's, I, I, I'd be remiss if I don't ask this question because everyone's story in the last recession, and I know we're in one right now, depending on who you ask, but everyone's story in, in the Great Recession was different. So you got in in 2008, you got out in 2009. What happened? What was your personal yeah. experience? And be vulnerable here, man. Yeah. Whew. So I got in in 2007, bought that first rental property, got my real estate license. Literally, it was in this order. Real estate license. The next month I bought a house and the next month I got married and at 21 years old. And then fast forward a few months, we rented that house out and moved to the coast and I was going to be some rock star real estate agent. A few more months went by and I was basically homeless. Me and my wife, can we move in with you to my in-laws in their 900 square foot house? Now there's four adults and one small child. I was getting humbled like daily. And then I went through this little depression where I started like waking up at like 11 a.m. When you talk to broke people, there's usually one problem. They like their bed too much. I didn't want to get out of bed because I didn't have any money to do anything anyway. So I'd spend money if I got out of bed. So I just went through a little like depression area, like era, because I had literally went from owning my own lawn business that I started in sixth grade that was doing very well when I graduated high school. I was hiring people to getting a real estate license, to buying a rental property, to getting married, to broke as a joke. So it took a huge toll on my ego. So I joined the military because I was like, I got to go back to school and figure out a new thing to do because I'm seeing people that are been in the real estate business for 10 years now quitting and getting out. So I got that between my head that I was a big failure. If these guys can't do it, who do I think I am? And it, it takes it like, I was a pretty confident dude before that. So I had to build myself back up. Yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that vulnerability. And, and to summarize, you bought a rental property, newly married, got in as a real estate agent, obviously transactions came to a screeching halt in that time. <laughs> for frame. me anyways. So for most people, right? And, yeah. and so what happened to the rental house? Did it weather yeah. the storm or? It did. That's a gun. That was a, that thing drug me through the gutter multiple times. I got back from my first combat deployment in RCE, Afghanistan, Fob Shank, if anybody's ever heard of that. Saved up almost like $4,500, like 4,500 bucks. And the tenant stopped paying in this house that's in Florida, I'm in Germany. And I remember that we, me and my wife, we were having a fight. She's like, hey, you're such an idiot. Like she said it a little nicer than that. You basically saved up all this money. You were gone for a year. We should be traveling Europe right now, but we're spending all this money on a crappy rental property that you have. And I was just like, never forgot that. I held that thing until 2019, never got behind on payments, maybe a couple of times actually between tenants and whatnot. I had to evict three tenants. I learned a lot about rentals, multiple renovations, and I never made a single penny on that house. Not a single penny. I sold it for about what I paid for. If I would have waited till that, maybe today, 2023, I'd have made a fortune or to even look back even further, hindsight's 2020, like it would almost be paid off by now. So don't sell things. <laughs> don't sell real estate. Uh, don't sell rentals. Learn from me. But I did hold on to it. It was a great learning experience. I learned everything not to do. Yeah, great story there. I love that, man. And so let's take the pivot a little bit. Today, 
you are you combine the wholesaling strategy with land. And, and so you're, yeah. you've got a couple of sections you like to talk about here. So let, let's enter into what you started doing from wholesaling land, and then maybe we'll finish with what yeah. does it look like to cash flow land? What is that game? Yeah. yeah. So I had a huge problem in 20, 2016 timeframe. I was getting ready for a third combat deployment. It was like a year of train up. I had actually moved my wife and uh, my newborn, I'm sorry, my wife, my son, and about to be second child and this is my second wife because the first marriage just didn't work out and i saw history repeating itself so i was freaking out i'm about to be gone for another year and a half like i didn't want another failed marriage and this time a couple kids involved and i just wasn't stomaching it so i was searching for answers like crazy like listening to the real estate runway podcast and reading the four-hour work week so every time i was driving I had a mobile university and I would do something that most people don't do that listen to podcasts. And if everyone's ready for this, hopefully no one's driving, I would take, write down one sentence from a gold nugget I heard and then take a second step, implement it right then and there. And if I did, if I couldn't do that, I would do it before I go to sleep that night. So that's, that was the only difference I see from people that stay in education mode to me, becoming a multimillionaire in real estate with land. Just taking action, right? You, it's yeah, great awesome. to have all the knowledge in the world. And what you guys don't see is on my left over here, I have a massive bookshelf with all sorts of books that I've read some of them. I read all of them, but to be fair, if you read the books or you listen to the podcasts or you listen to people tell you stuff and you don't do anything with it, there's a reason librarians aren't wealthy, okay? <laughs> they have access to all the books, but it's not in their head and they haven't done anything with it, so. Anyway, back oh, to your excited. back to your story. So you, you're making a life change, and you decided to you decided you've dealt with tenants, trash, and toilets. You've you've done big stuff. You've done some. I think you you said you got multifamily out of your system. What was your journey like to figure out? I think buying land and or flipping yeah. land even at first is probably the way to go. Yeah, I pretty much paid for college by wholesaling houses, and I also paid a lot of my rentals off. So what I didn't talk about was. I amassed quite a few rentals from 2013 to 2015. I think it was like nine or 10 more doors, but I've also amassed a lot more debt because these were fixer upper, dirty little cockroach infested little buildings. So I wholesaled several houses to pay for college because the army actually sent me to be an officer. So they paid me to go to college, but I had to pay for the college and that was a lot of money. So I was wholesaling houses and then I paid the debt down and then I went to another market, which was Colorado Springs, and the whole dynamic changed. I was spending a fortune trying to get a house under contract while in the military. So before I knew it, I had racked up all this credit card debt trying to get houses under contract at a discount. And guys, trying to get a homeowner to sell their house to you at a discount when they've raised their family there for the last 20 years and they've never replaced the carpet and they're always told your house is your biggest investment and they think investments should rise. So I need what this house is worth is a hard sell and I'm not that good of a salesperson. So I heard this guy on a podcast talking about flipping vacant raw land and he was like doing it overnight and doubling his money. And I was like, if half of what he's saying is true, that is where I'm going because that's against the herd mentality. And I'm from Okeechobee, Florida. Our biggest producer of income is cattle. So I know a lot about cows. I know that they are raised to be killed. And that's the herd mentality. If you follow the herd, you're probably going to die. So I was like, okay, this guy's talking about land. No one else is talking about land. I'm going to go after this. So I started mailing landowners that were behind on taxes. 
And lo and behold, I did a deal within 30 days, made five grand, and then did another deal the next week. And this one was one that changed my life. It got me paid my down payment. I'm sorry, my down payment, I seller financed it. I got a down payment large enough to get my money out of the, back out of the land. I bought the land for 500 bucks. It was junk property. It was landlocked around the state park. I sold it on Craigslist for 500 down and 400 a month. That one changed my life because it was paying my truck payment. And I saw in my, my head as, wait a minute, my expenses are only about 4,500 a month. I only have to do this about 10 more times and I'm financially free. Wow. All right. So you put two things together there. One, okay, maybe it's easier to get someone to who's behind on their payments or just not making the most use of a piece of land to part with that over their home where they've raised their family and have been told that's their biggest asset. So for one thing, you probably have an easier way getting people to separate from that piece of asset, that asset. And then, and then what you do from there is you can either go flip that thing. So I, I guess the first one where you made five grand, you probably flipped that one, right? You didn't really, you didn't hold on to that one. So yeah. that was wholesale. I had no clue what it was worth. Called a real estate agent, me, my wife, my newborn baby, an army officer friend of mine named Mike. We, we drove out there and I was like, man, like this guy's selling us this land for $285. I know why it's cheap because you can't build a house on it because there's only one ingress, one egress. So one street in, one street out. The fire department wouldn't allow you to build a house on it because you, you had to build a road over the railroad tracks and that would cost like a million bucks and the city wouldn't allow it. But I had no clue what it was worth. I knew it was worth more than $285. That's what I got it under contract for. And it wasn't even a contract. I should say it was a verbal like yeah. agreement between two men over the phone. And the guy wasn't playing around. He was like an old retired CPA. He traded for the land many years ago and he's been paying the back taxes and all he wanted was enough to pay the back taxes so he can get it out of his name. A CPA doesn't like to owe taxes. So I went and looked at it. I was like, maybe this real estate office will know what this land's worth. So I called the real estate office. Like the best thing in this business is to be dumb sometimes and just to like, because I see like people brand new to this, like a single mother of four has no clue what she's doing, winning in land. It's just make, just take an action. So I called the real estate office on a Saturday, a real estate agent answers. I was like, listen, what's the blowout price? Because I need to sell this land quick. I need to make some quick profits. She's like, I don't know, maybe $10,000. I was like, what? Really? Sold. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you when I buy it and you can list it for me. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thanked her for her time. Told, I was telling my wife, Emily, what she just told me. And she calls me right back and made an offer for five grand. And I was like, how soon do you want to close? She said, next week. So I knew she was lowballing me, but I didn't care. I was about to make $4,700 net profit. So yeah, I flipped it in a week. I called the seller. I said, hey, can I pay you on Tuesday? Because I got it sold. I'm selling it on Wednesday. He said, yeah, whatever. <laughs> no problem. So I gave him a check. He gave me a quick claim deed. I didn't do any title search, which is stupid on my part. But luckily, it worked out. This episode is brought to you by Agora's Investment Management Solution. Are you a GP or syndicator still using spreadsheets or an outdated investment management platform? Advance to Agora the next step in investment management evolution. Agora's customers raise capital 40% faster and reduce operational expenses by 25%. With Agora, you can collect commitments faster, raise more capital by creating beautifully designed data rooms, public brochures, and automated subscription flows. Manage all your investor relationships efficiently with the most advanced investor CRM on the market. Delight your investors with a beautifully designed investor portal which is fully customized to fit your brand and integrate seamlessly into your website. 
distribute payments in a click directly from the platform, and automatically generate and send all the reports and statements your investors need. Agora is suited for all types and all sizes of GPs or syndicators, starting with an affordable $5.99 a month subscription plan. Click the link in the description to book a live demo and learn what Agora can do for your business. Agora, better investment management. Yeah, very fortunate. So that, that's the avenue where you can get a hold of a, a piece of property. It may seem worthless to you, but it may be worth more than what you can get it for, folks. And then tell me about your second deal, a little more detail. You said you, you got a hold of another piece of land, and then this one had a little more value to it, it seems, but then you were able to sell it on seller financing. So you could have sold it for cash, but instead you, you didn't have any money in the deal, really. So you were able to sell or finance the deal. Walk me through that because you, you bought it. Yeah at first, and then somehow you got to no basis and then we're able to sell yeah. or finance. That's what's required, folks. You can't really sell or finance a deal that you have a loan against. So remember that. <laughs> but if you are scotch-free on it, that's where that worked out. So tell me about that. Yeah, I know. Sweet little lady. She was pushing probably 89. I was dropping, long story short. Uh, she calls, says, I got your postcard. I'll take 500 bucks for it. I was like, okay, I'll, I would like to meet you. Because she lived on the way to Denver, Colorado. I was dropping my wife and baby off the airport that following weekend that I sold that first deal. And I met her on her porch. I tried to negotiate with her a little bit. Her porch was like bigger than my entire house today. Wow. So she was very wealthy. Her husband was a stock trader, all these things. And he just bought this random piece of land. So she wouldn't negotiate. She's like, take it or leave it, Sonny. And then I was like, okay. So I wrote her a check. She had already had it notarized by a, a notary in my name. She was that confident I was buying it for 500. And when I left, she goes, I don't know what you're going to do with this godforsaken land. I was like, me either. So I went and drove to it. It was five acres surrounded by Colorado State Park land. I still didn't see the value in this. I do now. So I took photos and got in trouble for trespassing by the state officer. I said, don't worry, I'm not doing it again. I already got the photos. I'm selling the land. <laughs> So I disclosed all of this on Craigslist. I didn't see the value. That's why I just wanted the $500 down. I wanted my money back out of it because I used the profit from that first deal and I wanted 400 a month. And I had the guy sign what's called a land contract or contract for deed. So he paid me a total of $5,000 at 0% interest over payments. And you won't believe it. He actually paid me off early. I don't know why people did that when I was charging 0% interest. They would pay me off early. But that one sold and... I sold it on Craigslist. It sold within about a few days, actually, of me posting it. And that one changed my life. I just kept building it and building it. Before I knew it, I had $9,800 a month coming in for just land payments. That's if I didn't assign any contracts or flip any lands. And then I started building a little team and still in the military, but eventually got out. Yeah, that's it's incredible, man. And all this without having to really deal with a capital-intensive asset. Real estate is tough for that reason, folks, and I'll be the first to say it. We do very well in our niche, but it's capital intensive. Like to improve a property, it takes a good chunk of cash. It's probably some debt, a little bit of risk. So the, it, it, the profits can be great. But if you're able to get into things for little or no heartburn, little or no pain, that's what he's talking about here. So let, let's lay out the overall strategy. We walk through two deals. And, and I think you actually teach on this stuff as well. So maybe we'll talk about that. But Brent, what is the overall strategy that you're using now? Are, are you primarily wholesaling land? Or are you primarily getting holding on to it and then seller financing to, to provide cash flow. Lay out the strategy now that we've had some examples. Of yeah. Possible. My preferred method, I always shoot to sell it on seller financing. That's my preferred go-to. Does it always happen that way? No. I'm like a guy, I like to be on the river. I like to have two paddles, row, row, row your boat. 
Now, if the current takes me one way, I'm just going to steer it and make sure I don't hit a rock. But sometimes people just offer full cash because I used to sell, have a seller financing price and a cash price. I found that people will just pay the seller financing price, which is basically retail what the land's worth. And I, because Americans think, how much is it going to cost each month? They don't look at the overall interest. I just got an offer on a piece of land that I own in Daytona Beach. It's five acres. They're going to build two houses on it, but they're not going to do it for a couple of years. They just want to secure the land. So they're going to give me 20000 down. I bought the land for one fifty three, hundred fifty three thousand five dollars acres next to Daytona Beach in Holly Hill, Florida. They're paying me 250000 and my realtor found the buyer. I didn't do anything at all for this. They're going to pay me $20,000 down. That's going to cover closing costs and realtor fees. And I'll put maybe like eleven grand in my pocket. And then they're going to pay me almost $2,400 a month for the next 30 years. Now, I know they're not going to go 30 years. And why is it $2,400 a month? Because I'm charging them 12% interest on the 230 that's going to re remain. So anybody that's not good at math like me, I sell it for $250. i am getting twenty grand down. So their note, their mortgage is going to be $230,000 at 12% interest. So they're going to pay me about $2,400 a month. But if they just paid me 10 payments before the bank gives them their construction loan and they pay me off, I just made an extra, what, $24,000 in basically interest. For the first seven years of that loan, it doesn't pay down hardly at all. For, for 84 payments, I think that's seven times 12, 84 payments, it only goes down 11000 And I didn't create this. The banks did this. The banks know that people move every five to seven years. So mortgages, 30-year mortgages, fully amortized 30-year mortgages are amortized. But the first five to seven years is pretty much all interest. So it's just given me the ability to get passive income, lifestyle freedom, and a lot more money on a land deal. So that's that land deal. If they only finance it for 10 months, I should make about 100K on that one land deal. All right. That's incredible. And, and how did you take it down? So you found the land, you said you paid $135,000 for it. So in, in order to sell or finance to someone, you probably had to take that down in cash. So walk yeah. us to that point. How'd you get the cash to do it? Yeah, actually that one, I have about 84,000 of my own cash into it. I bought it for 153,000. I got a lender for the remaining 65,000. Sometimes like I just bought another seven parcels. I've got all lender money. And I didn't start out with lender money. I just want everyone to know these lenders started finding me and I just started getting, what's the right word for it? I just started telling people what I was doing basically. And they're like, how do I join? So I was like, I'm actually looking at this land. I got to, it's a, I can buy it for 130,000. It's worth 250, but I don't have the 130. <laughs> yeah. So you start finding out who has money. But so basically we call it a, a wrap. So my lender is in the first position. I would be in the second position when I sell it on seller financing. You got to have a very good relationship with a very investor-friendly title agent to do that. But there's been land deals where my we just bought one for forty thousand the other day. We sold it for ninety. I bought it with my mother-in-law's funds. We give her nine percent interest for it, and our buyer came in with five thousand down, and his payment's nine twenty-four a month. And we gave that buyer a contract for deed. So it's not actually a wrap. But my mother-in-law is in the first position. We paid 40 for the land and sold it for 90. So she's in a really good loan to value as well. So if I get hit by a bus or if I don't pay her, she can take the land, which that would make a weird Thanksgiving 
uh, dinner. But like I, I started this though, where I bought them all with my own cash in the beginning that I made by wholesaling land, by, by assigning my contract to cash buyers until I just got a big bank account. And then I would just run that bank account down to zero again because I bought up a bunch of land. Yeah, it's the chronic problem of the real estate investor. You're either real estate rich and cash poor or cash rich and you sold everything you have. So it's yeah. a chronic problem we have. And, and, and this is why folks, you see people syndicating money or borrowing money because you're only limited by deal flow and cash. Those are the two things that limit the amount of deals you can do and, and what all profits you can turn over. And that's super yeah. interesting, Brent. So we're talking about the concept of a wrap here, which I've actually never heard someone do. So that you taught me something here. It sounds like you can actually have a, a senior position lender, like you said, prob the lender probably has to be okay with this too. Like I can't imagine a yep. regulated lender being okay no with that. No due on sale clause, no due on sale clause. And we let the lender know ahead of time what we're going to do because like, it's like when you walk into the doctor's office and the doctor like jabs you in the arm with a needle, like you would punch that doctor, male, female, I don't care. But if the doctor says, hey, Chad, I'm going to take a little blood today. I'm going to clean your arm with this alcohol. And then when I stick you with this little tiny needle, you can barely see, I'm going to give you a little piece of a cotton ball. And then I'm going to give you a little nice band-aid to put over it. Sure, go ahead, doc. But that's, so we walk them through the process. And most of my lenders know what I'm doing already. So there's not, no shock or like just catching them off guard because that is not a conversation I ever want to have. Definitely not. And so last question, I know we're getting short on time and we'll get into the, the closing remarks here, but what kind of lenders are you using for this? Is this private capital? Are there certain banks you find that will do this? What kind of lender will allow you to do a wrap? I never used a bank to buy land except for a couple of times when I used a credit card, which was through uh, USAA at 14%. These are regular people like my father-in-law's a plumber. My mother-in-law works for a title company. These are just regular people with 40, 50, 60, $200,000 that have this money sitting in an account that wants it to work and earn interest at nine to 12%. I love it. There it is. Private lenders, you can wrap around. So this has been some great value today, Brandon. We've just scratched the surface on what this strategy is. Let's get into the final questions of the day. But before we do, tell me a little bit about, the, about, about your coaching program and how you're providing this value to people out there. Because this is not a commonly used strategy. And like you said, if you want to, if you want to look at getting wealthy, don't follow the herd. <laughs> how, how can our listeners learn more about what you're doing here? Yeah, I'll tell you the, the, the land sharks community, I cannot believe what it's turned into. I've got so many amazing students and I shouldn't even say students like just land sharks. A lot of them are running the support calls. Now we have, have had a support call every single day uh, this week. It's only Tuesday. We had two yesterday, one today. Like these are the other sharks that have done well in land and they're giving back. So we have multiple support calls a week and we give you the roadmap, the step-by-step -step instructions of what I do in my land business. And it's all action driven. And that's how like the single mother of four children has on her ninth land deal in nine months. And then if anybody wants to check it out, you can hear about case studies I do every Friday on the Wholesaling Inc. podcast with one of my land students. Yeah. Tell me what that, the name of that podcast was one more time. The Wholesaling Inc. podcast. Wholesaling Inc. podcast. There it is. So folks, that'll yeah. be down in the show notes for your clicking pleasure. No worries. Just scroll right down <laughs> on whatever you're looking at and we got the link for you. So no worries there. Let's get into the quattro questions. I know you've got a hard stop and I so yeah. appreciate the value you've okay. come into the show with today. So brother, what is your superpower? Could be life or business and how does it serve you well? 
taking freaking action. Like you tell me to run and I'm going to say where to and how fast. You see that rhino behind me? There's a reason why there's a rhino on that wallpaper behind me is because we just got to charge. So I just charged through those first land deals and figured out how to create a business behind it later. I love that, brother. Yeah, taking action is, it's a massive, it's hard to do, but it's a massive superpower if you have it. So let's take the other side of the coin. What is your, what's your biggest failure to date and what'd you learn from it? Oh man, so many. Just an ego, honestly. An ego? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's it. I was doing really well with land and houses in 2020. And I just bought like seven houses. And then we started a couple of new builds on our land. And then that little interest rate blip that happened a little over a year ago caught me with my pants down in multiple properties. And I had a lot of cash involved. In it. This is before I used private lenders. I only started yeah. using private lenders like six months ago. And I hired a CFO and his name is David Richter. Um, he wrote Profit First for Real Estate Investing. And I'm gonna, he gave me the best words of advice ever. He's like, Brent, imagine if you would have had private loans on all this stuff. How much money would you have a bank in, in a bank account if you would have had profit first implemented? I was like, probably a million dollars. He goes, do you think you'd be fire selling houses right now at massive losses of 150,000 each? I was like, no. So that was like, and it's just, it was just a huge snowball. And it was really because of ego. Like I wasn't making money flipping houses. I thought we were until my accountant said, we were funding it with land. Wow. That's, uh, that's an interesting realization. I, I say that part of that lesson is knowing where all the money's coming from. Is why, because when you really focus on the books, you can see this is really supporting and propping up the other ventures. Wow. Exactly. An incredible lesson yeah. there. Just, yeah. Why? Because of ego. I wanted to be like, I wanted to tell my friends what I was doing and because land wasn't cool enough for me to talk about. I love that, man. All right. Let's get into the, the question number three. Here at Quattro, we are based on four principles, people first, property second, profits third, and philanthropy fourth, coming back and taking care of people. So it's a group of people coming together around a property to generate some profit, some of which is used for philanthropy. I love to give my guests an opportunity to talk about their philanthropic heart on the air. And we've got some reports of people actually co-gifting to said causes in your name. What would that be for you, Brent, and your family? Yeah, we've got about 12 children down in Uganda that we've been sending money to and getting them in school and getting medications and things like that. And so much more is needed. There's so many problems. Like we are so blessed to be in the United States and just have literally modern sewage, sewers, uh, septic systems. Like every time I flush the toilet, I am so thankful because it's not the water problem down there in these countries. It's actually their runoff, their sewer that like, them using the bathroom in their river. So there's so much, so many people to help. Just, I love the fact that, that you guys are, are philanthropic because I think the money's not ours. Like it's God's money. That's it right there. It's God's money. You're the steward of the money. And if you can't be a steward of what you have, you won't get more. <laughs> so you got to do good while doing well, giving back into the community. So I, I love that you ended with that, Brent. The last question, what is the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Man, I'm going to do something crazy. I don't know if, I hope no other guest has done this. Text me on my cell phone, 863-801-6959. If you'd rather learn more or whatever, I've got Instagram and TikTok. It's all Brent L. Bowers. Yes, the L stands for land. I think TikTok is Brent L. Bowers one. So I'm on all the socials, YouTube, or text me. 
You're the man. All right, Brent, thank you for coming on the show. Can't wait to see what our listeners do with this newfound knowledge. And hopefully we'll see you again soon. God bless, Chad. Thank you so much. Want to generate higher return and drive alpha for your commercial real estate firm? Now you can with Lobby CRE by 30 Capital. Lobby CRE is an asset management platform designed to manage and optimize cash flow for faster returns and more visibility into performance. Shift your strategy with the market, not because of it. Identify opportunities and mitigate risk now rather than later. And save more than eight hours per week through automation. Click the link in the show notes to learn more and book a demo. Well, folks, I hope you got as much out of that episode as I did. I actually learned something today. I don't usually get to learn on this show, but I didn't know what a wrap was. I'd never heard of a loan being wrapped around another loan. Now, this is typically private equity that you're doing this with, private lenders. So anyway, if you got any value out of the show today, folks, pay it forward. Give me that little five-star review, thoughtful comment on podcast, or like and subscribe on YouTube. That's the only way to grow this show. Share it with someone who can benefit from the knowledge Thank you in advance for your patronage there. Folks, if you want to be on the show, check us out at thequattroway.com slash podcast to apply. I'd love to have you on if you have some value to add to our audience. And we are a full service real estate investment firm. So check us out at thequattroway.com slash invest if you'd like to have a conversation, get to know one another and see if we might be able to serve each other's needs. So without further ado, we're going to end the episode today. This has been another episode of the Real Estate Runway Podcast. Until next time, over and out. We hope this episode was insightful and brought value to your day. If so, please be awesome and leave us a five-star review. Find out how Team Quattro can help you at thequattroway.com. Until next time, this is the Real Estate Runway Podcast.